Welcome to the second episode of the LATA podcast. Uh, I'm Ricky Hu. Thanks for joining us. Um, today we'll be listening to the second half of our interview with Roberta Pine, our LATA bargaining chairperson, about Article 3 of our contract, Compensation and Benefits, uh, with some discussion of our salary schedule and how that's set up as well. Um, but before we get into that, I'd love to share a few announcements with you guys. First, I want to remind everyone that open enrollment for 2020 health insurance has started. It's going to go on until October 4th. If you are on Kaiser, you're going to benefit from the newly negotiated percentages that the district pays for your health insurance immediately. So if you're a single person, uh, the district will pay 100% of your premium, 95% for two-party, and 90% for family. If you're with another health insurance provider, remember this upcoming year, the structure of your share of the plan will be the same as last year. Uh, aside from any changes to annual rates. So you're not going to see any significant changes to your plan if you're not on Kaiser this year. Next, there are a few charrettes being organized by the district happening in the next few weeks. Um, I had to look up what a charrette means myself, and it means a meeting in which all stakeholders in a project attempt to resolve conflicts and map solutions. So there you go. Um, the goal of our charrettes uh, that are coming up is to help form a long-term facilities plan for BCS. So I think it's super important for teachers to provide their voice at these charrettes. Um, please consider going to one of them. You don't have to go to both. So there's one on Wednesday, September 25th from 6.30 to 8.30 at Block. And there's another one on Saturday, October 5th from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. at Egan. I'm also really excited to announce that this podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. So if you use any of these platforms, you should be able to access the subscription links in this episode's description. Once again, if you have any questions or comments, suggestions for upcoming episodes, teacher tips or stories, or anything else for that matter, we would love to hear about it. Go to your browser type in bit.ly slash LATAPod, and that's all lowercase, and type your submission into our mailbox. Once again, that's bit.ly slash LATAPod. All right, and without further ado, here is my conversation with Roberta about Article 3 of our contract, Compensation and Benefits. So the, the big one here, Article 3. Mm-hmm. Just... For starters, what when we talk about benefits and compensation, what are the different things that are part of that? You know, obviously we think of salary as our, you know, one of the big things, but what are some other parts of what we would consider like our compensation? So there's an hourly rate if you are asked to do some sort of um, class outside of the school hours or something that um, in turn like serve on a committee that's been designated and that you're doing some extra work developing curriculum or something of that sort you get paid an hourly rate of $50 an hour um, that's a contract that you're putting um, together with the district uh, the other thing is certainly medical benefits and um, dental benefits as well as um, disability benefits that the district pays for you as well. You don't have to pay the premium on that. And um, I think there's also a, um, I've forgotten what they call it now, it's for uh, death and burial. 
Oh, really? Yeah. You get a, uh, it's, I guess it's like a little mini life insurance policy oh. the district carries on every teacher, but it's so nominal, it would just really cover burial. But <laughs> it's but it's in there, and the district pays for it. <laughs> okay. Thank you to whatever bargaining team bargained for that one, however long ago. I, yeah. I have, I yeah, it's been know. in there since I've been around, so it's been there a while. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, this article is kind of broken up. I noticed that it was broken up into some like interesting different sections, like kind of overarching sections. So we start with this idea of, and I thought we could jump kind of back and forth from the salary schedule because there's a lot of mm-hmm. um, vocabulary uh, associated with the salary schedule. So um, this idea of like column and step. Mm, okay. Can you speak more to that a little sure. bit? Sure. So a step is basically a year. So how many years of service you have either had teaching in other districts or in our district. And then a column is your units and your um, after your BA. So if you've gotten your master's degree, you have a certain amount of units after. You can also accrue units after your BA that don't accrue towards a master's. Um, and so for every so many units, you move over a column, which increases your salary. For every year you're in the district or have taught, every year you move down a step, then you um, increase in salary as well. So that's how that works. Right. And um, 3.3 kind of goes into a lot of the different ways that you can move across columns. Right. Yeah. Um, And within our district, they will give you credit to move across the salary schedule for in district events and classes that you've done outside of your teaching. Um, You just have to fill out a form and have it approved. And generally that's by your principal and then the HR department. Mm -hmm. And then that can be accrued towards more units. But generally most people do county office of ed classes or online classes. You might want to do your national boards. That's definitely going to earn you a lot of units. And then also an additional stipend. That's another part of salary compensation if you've earned a national board's certification. Um, yeah, and that's something that um, has come up fairly recently in bargaining too, right? This idea mm-hmm. of national board. Um, well, so- we increase the amount that the stipend um, that people receive. So we've had national boards for quite a while, but um, the district is really interested in having people that are identified with national board certification. And it's a rigorous process. So in getting that, they know that they're working towards their um, classroom best practices. Right. And they also uh, are willing to like subsidize for... Correct. The district will pay for your t- um, coursework and testing costs of the testing to pass the national boards. And, but it's after the fact. So you pay for it up front and then they'll pay you back. And then on top of that, you get a stipend for five years. And then every five years, I believe you have to renew your national boards. And they'll even pay for the renewal fees. And then your um, additional stipend will continue for another five years. So it's an ongoing educational professional development. Right. And and from the um, – I've known a couple of teachers in the district who have gone through it. And it, it does sound like a pretty intense program. It but, is. Um, I think – uh, I've, I've definitely talked to a number of teachers that given what the uh, the extra stipend is for it and all those other things, it, it, it seems absolutely worthwhile, especially mm-hmm. for teachers who might be already bottomed out, quote unquote, right. um, to have it, – it's a pretty substantial stipend. It's pretty nice. Right. Or if you're not interested in getting a master's degree, it's another option because we also get a stipend for having a master's degree or a PhD. 
but the national boards um, continues. So they've put a higher value on that stipend because once you get a master's degree, you don't have to renew that. But with national boards, you do have to continually renew that. Right. And keep up. Um, another thing that I, I know has been a recent change in our salary schedule was the shift from going from five columns to four. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was something I, I, I was um, part of that bargaining team that year mm-hmm. when that was when that was passed. Um, I'm going to interject real quickly because yeah. I do want to point out that our salary schedule in Los Altos is quite unique compared to other districts. Many districts have a 30-year step. Ours is compacted into a 15-year step. So you reach the height of your salary sooner than you would in other districts. Um, it also depends on what um, other districts are paying. Obviously, the longer you're there, the possibly the more you get, but it takes you a lot longer to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we collapse the columns, we were feeling that um, most people are coming out of their um, programs these days with a master's as well as their teaching credential, which wasn't the case when I got my teaching credential. And so that was the, the thought behind collapsing because people come out of their BA already with 45 additional units or... right and so what we did was we took the very first column the and the second column mm-hmm. and combined them and so now we have four columns but 15 steps and that's very unique if you look at other districts in the state of california yeah absolutely the other thing i'll point out is that we do offer full credit now for all teachers that have taught elsewhere so whatever years of service you have had in another district, when you come to Los Altos, if you're an experienced teacher, we take all your years of service. At one point in time, we would only take up to 10 years. Right. And, and many and districts mm-hmm. have changed that as well because of the teacher shortage. But some districts do cap you mm-hmm. um, at a certain amount of service. So if you're a longtime teacher and you want to move someplace else then you might take a pay cut. Right, you start back at your 10 or whatever right. it is. And I had a friend who did that who moved up north in uh, the Sacramento area, and she did have to take a pay cut. Yeah, and then the other yeah. thing we did was we boosted the beginning salaries. So not only accepting the full years of credit for experienced teachers, for new teachers coming out of college, we've tried our best to keep up. Um, we're a very small district, and we don't have a lot of revenue from industry. And we do have Google and Facebook in our neighborhood, but they are part of the Mountain View school district system, unfortunately. So we don't get a lot of those revenues. We Mostly our revenues come from property tax and parcel taxes. And so we're kind of, our hands are tied a little bit as to what we can offer, but we knew we needed to bump up the beginning salary to attract teachers. Sure. One of the questions um, I get sometimes, especially from the newer teachers, you know, when we talk uh, about um, the TAs that are usually signed at the end of the year, there, there's a lot of conversations about percentage points. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, we're getting a 2% raise or a 1% raise or a 5% raise or whatever that means. Um, I'm curious, like, wh- how, how is that number kind of calculated? Like, how does those percentages, like, factor into the salary schedule? Right. And how so you have to know change? how many full-time equivalent teachers we have. That's called an FTE. And when we're bargaining, we have a certain amount of money that's coming available. And so we look at how many um, teachers we have that are full-time equivalents, and even the half-times make up all of that. But we we look at um, how much it would cost 
for uh, a salary increase of, say, 1% based on the number of people. And then we look at the cells that they're on. And so we have something that we look at and examine called a scattergram. And that scattergram tells us, oh, there might be um, 20 people in the beginning cell, and there might be um, 50 people at the ending cell, and then all the cells in between. And we take that number and we multiply it um, and find out what that cost of money is that it would cost in 1%. And then we can ask for um, that amount times two or three or four. And then some years we've gotten 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that boils down into a big number. And generally it's thought that um, a 1% raise for the FTE in our district of teachers costs about $250,000. So that's the equivalent of essentially giving everyone in the district a 1% raise based on wherever they sit in the salary schedule. For that current year. For that current year, right. And so I know that we've negotiated using those kinds of measurements and numbers, Mm -hmm. but there might be other times where we've also had conversations about just like flat increases as well. Yes, I can remember a time when we were going through layoffs and we did negotiate just a flat $1,000 on every cell. And that didn't cost as much because some cells had no one sitting there, but that cell got bumped up $1,000. And so you figure out how much that will cost based on your FTE. And that was a cheaper way um, of bumping up the salary. Now we did that with the new teachers and we bumped up just four beginning cells first And then in the last few years, we've done that twice now. And then we added on a percentage raise on top of those bumps so that those people in the beginning cells would get a little bit more. Because a 1% of a beginning salary and a 1% of an ending salary is a big discrepancy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. But all those people that have been in the district longer and have had more experience are getting um, a little bit more for their, it's like a longevity, right? And experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so some of the other things that um, are covered under compensation and benefits is also health care. Mm-hmm. Um, so that starts around 3.9. Mm-hmm. And um, Oh, can I also interject that yeah. when you do get paid, you have an option to get paid on an 11-month scale or a 12-month scale. And so that's here in Article 3 as well. So um, that's, you know, everyone likes to get a paycheck every month. But um, I, I personally opt out for the 11th month because it bumps up my 11 months to be a little bit higher. And then I do my own savings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a personal preference for my family. But everyone take their own. Right. Because we only work for X number of months. Right. We really only work 10 months. But if you want to take your salary and divide it over a 12-month period, you get a little bit less every month. But if you take an 11-month, then you get a little bit more. And right. In that, I don't get paid in July. Basically. And my self-control is not <laughs> to the level where I think I can handle an 11-month right. salary. Well, and it was worse when they had a 10-month choice. So oh, right, I, right, Yeah, right. I didn't get paid for two months in July and August. Yeah, and, and I remember too, uh, so one of the, I don't know if this is a, something that you, that's unique to Los Altos, but like we get paid at the, the last day of every month, not the first day. Right. And I remember like my first year moving in, like I, I was an intern at, you know, the school that I was, you know, getting my uh, degree at. And I, I think I got, and they paid on the first of the month, right? When <laughs> so, the rent's due, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but then I, I remember like when I got hired here, like I had, I, I don't know what. You had to wait a month and a half. It was, it came out to like two months because like I, I got my last paycheck in June and then, or, or July 
uh, at the old school. And then I wasn't getting my first paycheck until like September or something. That's true. So you had to wait August and September for a yeah, paycheck. Yeah, which I remember that, that those first couple of months were So really we changed wrong. that a couple of years back so that we would get paid in August. That's and right. the 11 month. The other thing about pay and deductions is your dues, if you um, have dues or if you're 403B, which is an important thing to talk about. Even though you're a beginning teacher, you might want to think about saving for the future. Um, and also your medical benefits and any premiums that you have are deducted on a 10-month. So in your August paycheck, you see a little bit of a bump because you don't have any deductions. And then people come all shocked at September 30th. They get their next paycheck, and their pay has gone down a little bit because now you have to pay for some of your premiums. Right. It's, it's awkward for school districts because there's the calendar year starting in January, which medical benefits are tied to, but there's also the school year year. Um, and then uh, actually the school year started in July. The district budget goes a July 1 to a June 30th. The calendar year for benefits goes January 1st to the December 31st. Uh, yeah. And then our school year obviously goes in August to June. So, um, but all your dues and your premium deductions and 403B type um, deductions will come out for 10 months from September through June. So we're just juggling like a couple of different calendars all at the same time. Exactly. So it's confusing and new teachers always want to make friends with their payroll specialist, <laughs> Leilani, <laughs> currently, um, so that you can understand all of that. But you can also ask your um, members and your rep counsel and see. Right. And um, if you're on a 12-month schedule, they're also deducting some percentage of that month's paycheck to pay for that 12th month right during the summer correct yeah so yeah your medical premiums are deducted on a 10 month um they're divided by 10 but then they figure out those two months that you don't deduct medical premiums and they put what they call the summer share listed as your line item on your pay stub um so it's just basically if you add it all up together it's still the same amount of a 12 month premium but they only deduct it 10 months Right. This is actually, uh, I think, a question that gets asked a lot, too, is just like how to read a pay stub, right? Yeah, because you also have your sick leave, although I think now our sick leave used to be posted on our pay stub, and now it's posted on our subsystem. Um, so you can always check that system and find out um, how many days of sick leave you have accrued, which is important later on in years when you come closer to retirement. Mm -hmm. So you want to keep an eye on that. Also, if you're going off on medical leave or maternity leave, those are things to keep in mind, um, how much um, sick leave you've accrued. So those are things to look at um, on your pay. Yeah. And then, of course, like uh, health insurance benefits that get deducted. Right. As and well. actually, for our main health insurance benefits, we are in what's called a conversion plan. And you sign um, a contract um, with our American Fidelity saying that, it, that they will tax defer your, um, your premium that you're paying. So you're actually not paying as much in taxes on your... Um, actual pay so it shows um, so awesome. you have it yeah so okay so let's go ahead and circle back to health and welfare a little bit yeah so I'm just gonna say in general we take our health and welfare and combine those costs that the district pays for us as well as our salary and they get a term called total compensation and so that's something you might 
um, here um, when people are bargaining what the total compensation was, but generally we look at them in separate piles first. Um, and our health and welfare benefits um, include medical and dental. There's um, vision offered, but that's completely covered by the member themselves. If they wish to opt in, they have to cover that premium solely on their own. However, um, when you're under the medical benefit premium, which our big provider is CalPERS, mm -hmm. you can have eye exams as a medical exam covered. But if you wear glasses or contacts, you would have to pay for those separately. But you can have um, medical exams of your eyes um, once a year right. covered by your medical. So that's important. So the relationship that the district has with CalPERS is that they are our insurance they're our insurance administrator. Right. So in the past, we've had something called a trust, and we were in a group of other districts, and we had to manage our own insurance, go out and look for providers, and that got to be costly, and it involved a lot of meetings and lawyers. And so CalPERS is an administrator for all of California, and nurses, firefighters, um, public employees all fit with under that CalPERS window. And so we use them as our administrator, and they um, show us what we can offer to our members um, for providers. So we have currently Kaiser, we have a Blue Cross traditional HMO, and then we have what's called a preferred provider or PPO, which is um, also under Blue Cross. Um, and there are differences between all three of those types of offers. There are some others that are offered as well. Um, and I can go into that at another date when we're going over medical benefits, because we will be having some changes coming mm -hmm. up. But basically, the district will offer um, medical benefits um, and then pay a portion of your premium or depending on the choice you make, might pay 100% of your premium for the medical if you choose Kaiser. Mm -hmm. if you're a single person. And then there are a variety of other options that I can go into at a later date. Right. And one of the things that we um, kind of learned recently also is that the districts and us, we often don't have a lot of control over the things that happen with CalPERS. Right. Um, so when, uh, when they're negotiating with insurance companies and things don't maybe work out the way that we hope, that might affect the options that we have available and might force people to change correct. insurance plans also. Yeah, correct. Oh, if you wish to opt out of medical benefits for um, our district, we have a $2,500 stipend. So it's basically $250 a month. Um, but with the new um, uh, federal law for having um, healthcare, you need to make sure that you have um, coverage some other way. So if your spouse or your significant other can offer you benefits, you can opt out of the district's benefits and receive a stipend, which is, um, I wouldn't say it's unique. I'd say maybe 50% of the districts in California have that as an option, but um, and it was something that we didn't have um, when I first started in the district. And so I think about 10 years ago, we added that to our contract. Right. And because ultimately, if you don't opt into insurance, you're still saving the district a lot of money alongside Correct. yourself right Correct. yeah that's great
And then the other um, insurance that we offer is Delta Dental at this point in time for um, dental services. And I believe it's still um, your first year with Delta Dental. You have to pay um, 30% of your bill. Then in your second year with the district, you pay 20%. And third year, 100 And then by the fourth year, when you're tenured, um, you're kind of into 100% of your coverage is completely covered. And there is an amount that they will cover within a year. I think it's two cleanings and a certain per- like $2,000 worth of, of work if you need dental work done, like a root canal or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but the district pays the entirety of the premium for you. So you don't ever have to pay any of the premium for your dental. You just have to pay some out-of-pocket um, costs in the first few years. And then after that, no out-of-pocket costs unless you go over your yearly amount. Got it. Um so this is kind of interesting. I'm kind of jumping down to 312. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked a little bit earlier mm-hmm. about hours beyond the instructional day. I found like the very bottom of this particular article to be the most interesting because it kind of captures like all kinds of the interesting like little pieces here and there, whether that's like committee work or overnight events. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, I think, a-, a lot of things in this particular section that, teachers don't necessarily know about and so then they don't know to ask for that stuff That's right true. Yeah. so maybe we can take a look at that so a yeah bit. these are other comp- ways to be compensated generally they're a stipend and they come at the end of the year or they come within the year if they're not monetary but they're a work release day so i'm just going to go over some of them um some overnight events that predominantly are sixth seven and eighth grade um and maybe fifth grade too and some fourth grades have are overnight events so, you know they're going to science camp walden west or they're going to Coloma for fourth grade, or um, at my school, they go to Pigeon Point overnight. Mm-hmm. If you're doing an overnight field trip with your students, you are going outside of the instructional day. So you're going to be compensated $250 a night um, for that. Okay. Uh, moving schools. So when we were remodeling, and a lot of schools had to have what was called camp schools at the time, um, you had to pack up your entire room and that was like four days of packing or more and it got all moved by the district into a portable in a new camp situation and then you had to unpack another four or five days to relocate you um, get a stipend of four hundred and fifty dollars yeah and and it makes a an important kind of clarification that it, if it's an involuntary transfer reassignment, right? Right. So I'm. this was put into the contract when we were consol- not consolidating schools, but we were remodeling schools and every school had a time. But also, if you are involuntarily transferred from your position, you're no longer going to be teaching at one school and you have to go to another school and you didn't request that change, you can request $450 to help augment the time that you've had to take to pack up your room. Um, also, if within the same school, you're being asked to move from your classroom just so that your wing can all be the primary wing, um, you can ask for $450 as well because right. it's it's not your decision to move out of your classroom. Right. It's an administrative decision. And I know that that might have taken place a little bit recently, especially since um, some portables are getting picked up or moved around right. at one site. Right. doesn't mean the teacher is going to a different right. school, but right. has to so move it can be anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a variety of reasons. So some of the other things that are included in here are also work release days. So compensation doesn't necessarily have to mean monetary amount. but Right. So you wouldn't get paid for this, but what the district would do is pay for a sub for you to come in and work 
either at home or go to a conference or um, do some other kind of work that's related to your um, teaching, your um, best practices, right? And or grading for that matter for a report card time. Um, one of those is if you had a combination class. Uh, when my daughter was in school in Los Altos, she was in a four or five combination class and um, that teacher was allowed a work release day, one, tri one per trimester um, to do whatever she needed to help with planning for having two grade levels in one class or for grading for that matter. Then as our class sizes started to increase when class size reduction went away from the state, um, we also bargained in uh, work release days each trimester or kinder through three who have class sizes of 24 or higher. Um, because at the time when the state was paying, we were capped at 20 per class. And so this was a way of compensating teachers when their class sizes increased, um, giving them some more time to do whatever they needed to help them with their workload. Mm -hmm. And then four through six, it's 27 or higher. And um, at some point in time, our, as the primaries grew, the upper grade class sizes kind of shrunk. So I don't know that that many classes hit 27 or higher in the four through six, but I know there are classes of 30 still out there in our district. So that would definitely be important if you're grading essays, if you're doing reporting, whatever it is you need to help you with your professional responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And then through seventh and eighth grade classes, it's 27 or higher, but that's taken um, an average of the total students. They take how many periods you teach, how many students you have, and then it has to be an average of 27 or higher per semester. Right. Because that's a little bit different because you're each You're, you're teaching five or six classes. Yeah. And your class sizes can vary from class to class. Right. Um, and then it says your work days cannot be banked, but you have to use them within the school year. So if you didn't, it didn't realize this and you were entitled to one in the first trimester, you could take two in the second trimester. So you can use them in that school year. Wow, Ricky, I can't believe it. We came to the end of Article 3. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Roberta. I'm sure we're going to do this again. All right. We'll take a look at some other articles um, in the future. and. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to speaking with you again. I hope this was, was fun for you. Yeah, it was. It, it's taken me down memory lane, too. I, I feel like I'm the historian of Los Altos, which is kind of funny because I was the newcomer. <laughs> and so I, I get where all the newcomers are coming from, but uh, learn, from, learn from the experienced ones as well. So, And I want to thank Ricky for this opportunity because he has just really embraced our association and he has all of our best interests um, at heart. Thank right. you. And I, can, I couldn't do it without just the amazing structure and team that was already in place. And I know a lot of that is um, because of the work that you've done too. So much Thank appreciated. Okay. All right. Thanks. thanks. I want to thank Roberta again for chatting with us. A couple quick reminders. By now you should have gotten a request to fill out a bargaining survey. This is super important to fill out for all the reasons we've discussed with Roberta. We want to hear from you and know what you're going through in order for the bargaining team to figure out how to best proceed. This is your chance to make your voice heard. It really should take no more than 10 minutes and needs to be done before October 3rd. No teaching tip this week, but a money-saving tip for all of you who use AT&T for your cell phone wireless plan. Did you know that through CTA you can get 15% off your monthly cell phone service? You can activate that basically right now and save money. 
You can find information about that and many other discounts for all kinds of things like theme parks, hotels, rental cars, and even home appliances at ctamemberbenefits.org. I'll attach a link to the episode description for quick access. Thanks for listening. Have a great October. Mm-hmm.